there's intimacy on the radio and there's naturalness on the radio that can never be replicated on TV. The marvelous resurgence of radio as a political force in this country. News-related radio programming is evolving. There's a huge hole in our dialogue that can be filled by the synthesis of traditional radio and the freedom that comes from a live podcast. You're about to experience Cowboy State Politics Live. Here we go. my friends and welcome to yet another explosive installment of cowboy state politics live from very high above all other puerile and insipid forms of wyoming mainstream media this is cowboy state politics i of course am your illustrious host david iverson firmly ensconced behind the silver cowboy state politics microphone and broadcasting to you from the base of the bighorns in beautiful buffalo wyoming well good morning my friends and welcome to the program it's raining again here at at cowboy state politics northern command you know quite frankly i haven't seen this much rain in a really long time probably since i was little must be global warming. <laughs> well, we begin this morning with from Breitbart in an article entitled ATF Skeptical of Charging Hunter Biden. Now, I, I know you're going to find this hard to believe, but they're having a hard time figuring out exactly what to charge him with. As if uh, there weren't about 170 crimes that are documented on his laptop. But, you know, pay no attention to that. These aren't the droids you're looking for. It's Hunter Biden, after all, you know. I mean, it's just kids will be kids. Oh, what was it that uh, that the UW president said? You know, sometimes, you know, students will do some interesting things. I believe that's what he said. Anyway, from the article, and I quote, Officials at the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and Explosives were reportedly skeptical of bringing gun-related charges against Hunter Biden due to his having no prior criminal history. No prior criminal history. Oh, oh, I, I'm sure, I'm sure they're referring to the whole fact that he hasn't been prosecuted for any of it. Not that any of it's not documented. I mean, we have document, we have crim, crimes documented for days. Anyway, back to the article. On a form dated March 25th of 2018, Hunter Biden may have lied about his history of drug use, bringing out ATF Form 4473 for a gun purchase. The punishment for false answers on that form includes fines of up to $250,000 or 10 years of imprisonment. Now, we be living in Wyoming, we're very, very, very familiar with ATF Form 4473. That's the one that you have to fill out every time you buy a gun. When my dad owned a sporting goods store years ago, it was called Alabams. Uh, Some of you might remember it. Uh, It was a big white building covered in black polka dots. Anyway, Dad used to refer to ATF Form 4473 as the form with the questions even a squirrel could answer. 
It's absolutely true. They're easy ones like, are you a criminal? Are you addicted to drugs? But a source told the New York Times that, quote, officials at the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms and Explosives are responsible for reviewing Mr. Biden's file were skeptical of bringing charges against him especially considering that he had sought treatment and had no prior criminal history, according to another person with knowledge of the situation. Now, the form in question asks things like, uh, are you an unlawful user of or addicted to marijuana or any depressant, stimulant, narcotic drug, or any other controlled substance? Warning, the use or possession of marijuana remains unlawful under federal law, regardless of whether it has been legalized or decriminalized for medicinal or recreational purposes in the state where you reside. All you have to do is check yes or no. The next question is, well, the forum goes on to state that the information you provide will be used to determine whether you are prohibited by federal or state law from receiving a firearm. Certain violations of the Gun Control Act 18 U.S.C. 921 are punishable by up to 10 years imprisonment and and or a $250,000 fine. Hunter Biden's lawyers are in the midst of crafting a defense to protect their client from potential charges. You see, if it were any one of us, we would be arrested post haste. You'd fill out that form. It would be transmitted to the ATF and then you'd hear a knock at your door a couple of black sedans parked outside. But if your name is Hunter Biden, it appears that you can do no wrong. The lawyers told the Times in a recent February ruling from a federal district court in Oklahoma that could enable their client to remain out of prison. The ruling struck down parts of federal law prohibiting marijuana users from owning firearms, according to the Times. However, Hunter Biden was a crack addict whose firearm ended up in a public trash can. Oh, Lord. On, on one case that Hunter Biden team cited is to challenge the criteria used in the firearms background check system, which re- relies on a ubiquitous application known as the 4473 form pending before the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Third Circuit. You know, I just thought of something. You know, if Hunter Biden's lawyers are able to strike down that part, it would appear that the Biden administration would be responsible for reducing gun control. Fascinating. The United States Attorney for the District of Delaware, David Weiss, Weiss, a Trump administration appointee, is the lead prosecutor in the case investigating Hunter Biden for potential gun and tax violations. My friend, this is just one more piece of evidence that we're living in a lawless society, that any idea of law that we had at one time or another has gone out the window. None of us, well, excuse me, you and me have to abide by the laws, but those in power definitely do not. I mean, if if that were the case, they would be prosecuted for things like, you know, videotaping yourself with hookers or weighing crack out of scale or purchasing crack or uh, I mean, the list goes on and on. The fact of the matter is, if you're in power or if you're a Democrat, you're you're not going to see any punishment. Now, I bring you to an example of my friend Nina Weber over in Park County last year. She was accused of recklessly using a firearm. Now, they didn't arrest her, but they did charge her. And what they ended up doing, and this is not the only case where this has happened in Wyoming. There are other cases. Another friend of mine uh, got into an altercation, um, and it was involving a firearm, um, but they also tried to red flag him as well. They tried to take his guns away. In Nina Weber's case, the judge prohibited her from using any large, uh, I, I believe it was any rifle, or, uh, 
or firearm that used a large cal used large caliber ammunition. So essentially, they red flagged my friend Nina Weber for a charge. She hadn't been convicted yet. They just red flagged her anyway. Similar situation happened with my other friend. Maybe maybe I'll get him on the program sometime to talk about that. But in any case, um, those are those are, are two examples of private individuals with no criminal history that were accused of a crime and the government tried to take their guns away. But when your name is Hunter Biden, well, you know, that the rules don't apply to you. Or it could be that the people that are running the alcohol, tobacco, and firearms have no idea what you're doing. Case in point, this next soundbite from Representative Jacob Elzey when he was questioning the ATF director. Take a listen to this one. As a gun owner uh, of many different types and a 20-year military veteran, I have some expertise in weaponry. Uh, and self-defense weapons. What could you, in 15 seconds, would you define an assault weapon for me? So, so if as you go after 15 seconds, I'll just interrupt you. Yeah, so. So, so I'll go shorter than that because I, I honestly, I do think that's a, if Congress wishes to take that up, I think Congress would have to do the work, but we would be there to provide technical assistance. I, unlike you, I'm not a firearms expert to the same extent as you may be, but we have people at ATF who can talk about uh, uh, velocity of firearms, what damage different kinds of firearms cause, so that whatever determination you, you chose to make would be an informed one. Did you go to Harvard Law School? Um, I might have to plead <laughs> okay. guilty. Right. I'm sorry. Oh, the ATF director doesn't know what, a, can't describe what an assault weapon, well, there's two reasons for that. He has no idea what he's doing. That's the first one. And the second one is um, there is no definition for what an assault weapon is. It's just a term they made up to describe scary looking guns like the AR-15 probably all of us have in Wyoming. The point here is that you have people running the federal government that have no idea what they're doing. They're ideologues and they're Democrats, obviously they're Democrats, but they're just ideologues that are put in positions to further an agenda. And in this case, the agenda is to take guns away from everyone except Hunter Biden. Now, while I'm on while I'm on the subject of what our representatives are doing, uh, I came across a soundbite from our good representative Harriet Hageman. Now, I've probably played this one for you before, but I love it. I mean, it's uh, I, I can't tell you how proud I am of Representative Hageman. Now, whether you agree with her or disagree with her, you have to at least respect the fact that she's taking it to all of these bureaucrats and making them explain their actions. She's not like a lot, a lot of these Jeff Flake representatives that do nothing or, or people like Mitt Romney or Susan Collins or all of these people. She's actually doing what she told Wyoming citizens she would do. Check out this soundbite. I just love it. Members too, as well. Those questions will begin uh, by myself as the chair recognizing the gentlewoman from Wyoming for her five minutes. Thank you. And thank you to the witnesses for being here today. Parents have every right to know what their children are being taught, what information is being given to them, and how schools are spending our tax dollars. Parents have every right to engage with their local school district and to make their concerns known and to, to demand accountability for the education of their children. And they also have every right to demand that their children not be indoctrinated, but again, be educated instead. Even though there are now multiple ways for information to be provided to par parents today, it seems that educational institutions are more opaque than ever. And we must ask, why is that? 
Could it be that if parents actually got to see what their sons and daughters are being taught, that maybe the far left agenda of critical race theory, gender confusion, and environmental alarmism might be in danger of elimination? I think that's exactly right. Ms. Justice, in the NSB le uh, letter, as NSBA letter that has been discussed, calling on parent, that call parents domestic terrorists and asking for the federal government to crack down on them, the NSBA claimed, quote, this propaganda continues despite the fact that critical race theory is not taught in public schools and remains a complex law school and graduate school subject well beyond the scope of a K-12 class. Moms for Liberty has done a great deal of work all over the country, including in Wyoming. And have you found examples of CRT and other concerning political ideology in classrooms? Okay, that, that, that's a great point that she just that she just brought up. Now, our teachers, our K through twelve teachers, going to go through Hegel's dialectic and explain exactly what's going on with critical race theory. Of course, they're not. The point is that they're going to be uh, they're going to be teaching through that lens. And if every class that you take at the University of Wyoming, which by the way, seventy percent of teachers in the United are in Wyoming, come from the University of Wyoming, they're going to be teaching through the lens of critical race theory, which is to deconstruct every single idea and bring it back to one source, and that source always happens to be race. Okay, so just had to t break in there. Let's listen to the rest of this thing. Maybe we can. Sorry, Her? first time here. There we go. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> we have. It, it's been really unfortunate, and Nikki could speak to this as well, the incidences of propaganda, of ideology in the classrooms. Um, and, and, you know, many people will say, well, CRT isn't being taught. No, it, it's not being taught. And they're not teaching a graduate level course um, in schools. But what they are doing is teaching through the lens of critical race theory and critical theory in general. Um, and it's demoralizing our children. And it's having an effect that's causing division amongst the children. And we're seeing increases of violence across the country that we're very concerned about. Well, and I think that's exactly right. So I'm going to be very blunt in my next question. Is it fair to say that the NSBA lied to the Biden administration and DOJ about the teaching of CRT in our, in our lower grades? Yeah, I absolutely think they did. What we saw, I mean, the, the, the National Center for Education Statistics conducted a study of long-term trends in reading and math assessments for nine-year-olds to examine student achievement during the pandemic. Average scores declined five points in reading and seven points in mathematics compared to 2020. My question continues to be, why do we continue? You're talking about books here, but no one wants to talk about reading proficiency. That's American right. parents are very concerned uh, about what's happening in our schools. And I think it was a real effort to silence us when we came to the school boards. The school board members did not want to answer questions and they wanted to protect the system. I think that's exactly correct. And there's one other point that I think is important to make, and that is that we have a committee report that cites numerous instances in which the National Threat Operations Center routine, routinely received tips based on everything related to parents and their involvement and attendance as school boards, except they're engaging in unlawful action. Through the full committee and our select subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government, we have routinely exposed that the DOJ has not been going after violent acts or unlawful acts. Like Hunter been going Biden. after people with whom the left disagrees. Would you agree? Yes, ma'am, I would. Okay. Uh, Ms. Johnson, I just have a real quick question for you. Do you believe it is censorship to prohibit teachers from exposing first graders to Penthouse Magazine? 
Do I believe it is censorship? I'm sorry, ma'am. Do I believe it is censorship to? Do you believe it is censorship to prohibit teachers from exposing first graders to Penthouse magazine? I don't know of any instances in which a. That isn't my question. My question is, do you believe that it is censorship to prohibit teachers from exposing first graders to Penthouse magazine? I believe that it is important that we have parents, teachers, and educators. You are not going involved. to answer my question then, is that right? I believe it is important to have parents, teachers, and educators involved in understanding what is, what is being presented to students. Do you believe that it that is appropriate is to present Penthouse to first graders? Of course not. Thank you. Boom. I yield back. You see, this is exactly what we need from our elected representatives. You have to take it to them because if not, if you don't, they're going to obfuscate. They're going to evade your question. They're going to try to wear you out so that eventually, eventually you just say, well, you know, I give up because that is what they do. The point here, the point I'm trying to make here is that whether you agree or disagree with Harriet Hageman, she is at the very least making unelected bureaucrats answer the question. Now, after the break, I'm going to bring you the story of how uh, drag shows have been canceled at military universities. Um, so we'll do that after the break. Cowboy State Politics is your source for fair, true journalism in the state of Wyoming. I know it's crazy to think that the most conservative state in the country only has one really conservative news outlet, and you're listening to it. Now, you can listen to the podcast on any of your favorite podcasting apps, iHeartRadio, iTunes, TuneIn, really any of them will work. But the easiest way is just to go to the website, cowboystatepolitics.com. There, you can find all of the shows, as well as any of the articles that I might bring up during the course of a program. If you're one of these guys that thinks that you're informed because you pay attention to the Wyoming press, well, what you need to do is go to CowboyStatePolitics.com, pull up an article, and educate yourself, and find out that you've been wrong all along. Yeah, I know. It's probably going to hurt your feelings, but sometimes that's necessary. Just ask the Redcoats. New episodes of the program are published every Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday morning. And then every Thursday at 10 a.m., Cowboy State Politics Live. You know, the program you're listening to right now. I cover mostly national issues on the Thursday program. You know, the stuff that we don't get to at other points during the week. You can find the link to the live program at CowboyStatePolitics.com or on the Cowboy State Politics Facebook page. So check out all the Cowboy State Politics episodes every single week. And now, back to the program. From Breitbart News, yesterday, in an article entitled, Representative Matt Gates Gets Drag Show at Military Base Cancelled, and I quote, a planned, quote, child-friendly drag show on Nellis Air Force Base in Nevada has been cancelled after Representative Matt Gates demanded answers from Pentagon leaders as to why it was happening when they claimed they did not support them on bases. Gates tweeted, 
huge victory. Department of Defense has canceled a scheduled, quote, child-friendly drag show after I demanded answers from the Secretary of Defense, Austin, and General Milley. All right. First of all, as I've previously explained on Cowboy State Politics, there is no child-friendly drag show. The, the very intent of a drag show is to indoctrinate children. Now, I explained this using an article that was written by Chris Rufo. And if you if you haven't read it, you should really go check it out. It's kind of the history of drag shows and what their real intent is. So ask yourself, I mean, specifically in Wyoming, I brought you that undercover investigation of the drag show that was happening in Rock Springs. And then the subsequent drag queen story hour that was presented at Western Wyoming Community College in Rock Springs. The whole intent is to indoctrinate children. That's why at their drag shows, they have children running all over the place and why they're so insistent on having these drag queen story hours. So what Representative Gates got canceled was a drag queen show at a military base. The article continues. The Nellis LGBTQ plus Pride Council is saddened to inform you that, and this is their statement, that we are no longer able to host our annual Pride Month drag show at Nellis Air Force Base. We have received notification that the DOD has directed commanders not to host drag events on military installations. Oh, how terrible for them. But they'll continue to to celebrate the contributions of the LGBT plus community pride uh, at community in the community during Pride Month. Come show your pride with us, it said. So back in March, Gates grilled the, the defense secretary and the chairman of the Joint Chiefs about this whole drag queen show. I mean, really? Are we are we now trying to recruit drag queens into the United States military? You know, everybody used to be afraid when we said, you know, maybe we'll just send in the Marines. Now, they're going to have to change that slogan to maybe we'll just send in the queens. I'm sure they're terrified and shaking in their boots. How ridiculous could they po could this possibly be, my friends? Now, I attribute it to trying to completely, um, well, and I don't think I have to attribute this at all, but it's there's a clear effort to complete what Obama called the, the transformation of the United States of America. And that has to happen in every way, shape, or form. To, to do that, you have to destabilize the United States. And to, to accomplish that, you have to destabilize the military, which is why you're seeing efforts to include drag queen events on Air Force bases. And, you know, like 15 years ago, I was listening to a radio program, and the guy on it said, you know, in 15, 20 years, you're not going to realize, you're not going to understand your country. What's going, what was up is going to be down. What was left is now going to be right. And it's just going to be completely confusing. And, and I personally, I think that we're there. I mean, there's, there's so many crazy stories that you see every single day. Companies destroying themselves, uh, military, the branches of the military using drag queens as recruiting tools. I mean, how bizarre could we possibly be, my friends? Well, it's, as I said, it's a coordinated effort um, that, that attacks all branches of our society. Schools, our places of worship, our, the, the government, um, you know, our military, all across the board. I think if you, go, if you look hard enough, in nearly every single community in the United States, you'll probably find some effort um, to do drag shows or to to further gender ideology in the schools. I mean, even in little Wyoming, it's it's happening. Now, if you haven't listened to those two episodes I brought you about the undercover investigations I did at the University of Wyoming, and I've got another update coming coming later in the program about that. 
Um, so, you know, the, the point here is that it's it's touching every single piece of our society. And there's no way that we can, um, you know, that we're going to get around it unless we attack it head on. Now, in my personal opinion, and I've, I've told you for a long time that, uh, that, you know, I'm a historian. And the way that I look, I look at the world is through the lens of history, because all of this stuff has happened before. If you go back to the Weimar Republic, um, there were experiments that were being conducted um, in regards to uh, gender ideology and trying to change sexes of people. And it goes all the way back to the Weimar Republic. And now all of us are looking at, at all of the transgender surgeries and states trying to pass laws, and we all ask ourselves, why is it that this has to happen? Well, the point here is, as I said, it's a coordinated attack. Now, one place where it's also happening, and again, I'll connect the dots here in a, here in a little bit, um, but is in law enforcement. There's an article from, from Breitbart this morning entitled Failed Progressive Utopia, Oakland Residents Demand City Act on Crime. And I quote, hundreds of Oakland, California residents demanded that the city take action on the rising crime rates during a Tuesday community safety meeting with local officials at Oakland Technical High School with one resident saying they are victims of a failed progressive agenda. City Council member Dan Kalb, the meeting's organizer, was joined on a panel by the Oakland Police Chief uh, Jeffrey Thomason, the Kentrell Killens, and uh, the Interim Chief of Oakland's Department of Violence Pre Prevention. Various res residents shared their stories of how violence had impacted their everyday lives, from coming home to shopping coming home to shopping at local outlets. Turnout for the event was reportedly over 500 individuals. So um, I don't think it's any secret to anybody that it, if you know, uh, if you look at California, it's a crime-ridden socialist utopia. I mean, that's ex exactly what they're trying to do. You have prosecutors that aren't prosecuting crime. You have criminals that are running the streets. So I've got a soundbite here from one Oakland mom that testified at that meeting that I just mentioned. Listen to what she has to say. I just want to turn to the audience and ask them, who here has been assaulted, held up, or beat up? Just raise your hand. explain what they're doing here. Um, everybody has heard of the brown shirts in Germany. Um, basically, they became Hitler's SS soldiers. But their first job was not to enforce the law. It was to create chaos. Um, so 
what they do is they would go through neighborhoods and they would just, um, you know, uh, accelerate crime. Um, they would trash trash houses. They would, you know, instigate shootings. They would do all sorts of things that made citizens cry out to the police force. Like, why aren't you doing anything now? Just, you know, Oakland is just one example over the Memorial Day weekend. You know, you the shootings in Chicago went through the roof. OK, and it happened in every other Democrat run city. The question is, why is that happening? Well, it's to make you do one thing is that is and that is to cry out somebody please stop this somebody do something well that's exactly what happened in germany when when hitler thought that there had been enough chaos created he told the brown shirts to cool it and then he stepped into power and that's exactly what's happening here you have to destabilize the country before you can turn it into your, to your progressive agenda so that brings up another question what exactly is a utopia. Well, the word comes from a 1516 work by Thomas More entitled Utopia. And I mean, it's it's political satire. He describes an imaginary community in which there's no crime and there's no poverty and nobody gets sick and nobody is is sad. So to further explain this, let me just read this to you. So Sir Thomas More coined the word utopia in 1516, written as, a, as an act of the humanist movement. More's utopia is the story of an imaginary island society. Utopia means nowhere in Greek. More's story of utopia is told by... Um, by this guy named Raphael Hithiday. Uh, Utopia is an island of 54 cities with, a, with the chief city in the center. All cities are 24 miles apart. Uh, besides agriculture, everyone has at least one occupational specialty. It's customary to follow the trade of your father, however you may be adopted. Um, a six-hour workday. Um, there's an ec economic side to the marketplace. There's no money, hence there's no greed. At, uh, the sizes of the city are regulated. So, if you've never read Thomas More's story of Utopia, you should go. You should really go read it because it explains exactly what this imaginary society um, is going to look like. So, in the United States, what are we trying to do? Well, we're emptying out the jails. Okay, we're not. We're letting people that we've given jail sentences to for perhaps life terms out on the streets. We're not prosecuting criminals. I'll give you an example from Buffalo, Wyoming. Uh, there's a person that I know that was a, arrested for possession of methamphetamine with an intent to distribute. Okay, that was the third time that that had happened. She had two previous felonies. So um, when she was caught, she had several baggies that she intended to, intended to sell. That person was given 30 days in the county jail. Now, what would lead us to assume that she's not going to repeat the behavior? Of course she is. So we're not prosecuting criminals, and we believe in this idea that somehow criminals are sick, and if we just help them, they'll stop being criminals. Maybe we should resign ourselves to the fact that criminals are criminals, and we need to put them in jail. This is something that liberal progressives don't want to hear. What about this whole all-inclusive agenda? Well, that goes back to this whole idea of culture, uh, cultural, uh, excuse me, multiculturalism. So we have this uh, a competition between the melting pot theory and multiculturalism. That is, we have to respect all communities and respect all cultures. So in Dearborn, and the result of that is places like Dearborn, Michigan, where you can hear calls for afternoon prayers that are broadcast citywide. You have the emergence of Sharia law in the city. So if we don't, if if we 
focus on this all inclusivity and this equity and equality, you end up in a place of complete disorder. Okay, so we're we're trying to move to a place in this country of no greed. We have officials that are um, actively trying to institute wealth distribution, redistribution. We know that this doesn't work. Um, William Bradford wrote about it in his journal when the pilgrims arrived, nearly killed all, all of the colonists. So the point here is that utopias don't exist. And in fact, there's been one that was tried in America. It was called the New Harmony Colony, and it happened in Indiana. Take a wild guess what happened to it. Well, nobody wanted to work. Nobody wanted to cooperate. Everybody wanted to sit around on their hind end and do nothing. Sound familiar? Well, in the end, just about everybody in New Harmony nearly starved. From an article that was published by the MacGyver Institute, yeah, I know, that's really the name of it, um, in February 26th of 2020. The tiny village of New Harmony, Indiana, is something of a Midwestern utopia, a beautiful slice of small-town Americana on the banks of the Wabash River. A tree-lined Main Street evokes the memory of a simpler time in this country's history when folks could leave their doors unlocked and neighbors were best friends. So, um, the spirit of cooperation in utopia would prove his theory that society may be formed so as to exist without crime, without poverty, with health greatly improved, with little if any misery, and with intelligence and happiness increased a hundredfold. Any obstacle whatsoever intervenes at this moment except ignorance to, pre to prevent such a state of society from becoming universal. Well, the result of New Harmony is, as I said, that it failed nearly a year after it was it was started. Quote, the community couldn't produce enough food to be self-sufficient, primarily because, it, because when its hardest working members realized that they would earn the same benefits as the laziest, they stopped working. With no new houses being built for the, grow, for the grow community and food shortages becoming an epidemic, homelessness and famine ran rampant until eventually New Harmony's experiment with socialism ended in March of 1827. You see, all of these things that we're trying are not new. They are all failed experiments in utopia. And the point here is we have people in power that are trying to do that very thing to the United States. But first, they have to destabilize everything. After the break, I'm going to bring you yet another story of something we should have learned from the Obama administration. But evidently, we haven't because of the puppet that's in the White House. And as with all puppets, they have a puppet master. And we'll do that after the break. If you've lived in Wyoming for any length of time, you know that just because it's May... That doesn't mean it's going to be all nice and pretty out all the time. That crappy inclement weather isn't done until at least after Memorial Day. Trust me, only a fool goes to the mountains on Memorial Day without a set of chains, a winter coat, snow boots, and a shovel. So while you're putting on the chains, trekking through the snow, or wading through the mud, you should really take care of those feet of yours. No matter what unfortunate circumstance you've got yourself into. The Buffalo Wool Company makes the most amazing socks that I've ever worn. They'll keep you warm in the winter and dry in the summer. And they have a wide variety of different socks. They've got some crew socks for if you wear tennis shoes or all the way up to boot socks. 
So it doesn't really matter what you're doing outside during this Wyoming spring, you should probably be wearing a pair of Buffalo Wool Company socks. Go to their website, thebuffalowoolco.com, and take care of those feet of yours, because they certainly take care of you. As you no doubt are keenly aware, I'm a fan of just about any Wyoming company. Just about, I said. And one of them you should really check out is New Trend Hats. They're a company that's based in Kemmerer. They make those hats with a really cool ponytail hole on top of them. And right now, they have a wide selection of hats for both men and women. Being as cold as it is, you definitely don't want your ears to get cold either. So go check out New Trend Hats. I'm sure you'll find one to keep those ears of yours nice and toasty warm. That's New Trend Hats. And now, back to the program. From yesterday, a new report that George Soros's son visited Joe Biden's White House at least 17 times in the last two years. From the article, and I quote, George Soros's son, Democrat megadonor Alex Soros, repeatedly visited the White House at least 17 times since President Joe Biden assumed office. White House visitor logs show that Alex Soros, chair of his father's far, far left Open Society Foundations, maintains a high degree of influence with the Biden administration. Over the course of more than two years, Soros visited the White House at least 17 times, according to the visitor logs. The most recent visit include three meetings between February 8th and 10th, records released Tuesday's show. The visitor logs list John Finer, the principal deputy national security advisor, and Jordan Finkelstein, what a fabulous name, special assistant to the president and the chief of staff for, for senior Biden advisor Anita Dunn and Mariana Adame. The advisor to the counselor of the president as the individuals who greeted Alex. It remains unclear precisely who Alex may have met with for the sessions, as the records can contain White House staff who, who only book appointments. All right. So it's been brought to my attention, mostly by myself recently, that I've sort of been lacking in impacting my arguments. What do I mean by that? Well, to explain why it is that things are important to you. So we have a couple of questions we have to answer. First, who is George Soros? I've talked about him numerous times on the program. Uh, second question, why do people in Wyoming care or why should they care about George Soros? Um, and exactly what might he be doing? So the, the second question first, uh, why should people in Wyoming care about George Soros? Well, because he's active here. Yeah, the executive director of the Wyoming Education Association is a guy named Ron Sniffen. Ron Sniffen is also the treasurer of this place called the Equality State Policy Center. The Equality State Policy Center is, this, is the epicenter of all left-wing activity in the state of Wyoming. Pick a leftist cause and they're involved in it. It doesn't matter if it's if it's the green agenda or if it's LGBTQ stuff or if it's corner crossing or it, it doesn't matter. They're involved in all of it. Now, their funding comes directly from a crazy little labor union called called the Brotherhood of Maintenance Rights of Work, something like that. Workers of Brotherhood, whatever. Maintenance Rights of Way. So guess who they get their funding from? Well, the Center for American Progress who is funded by the Open Society Institute and the Tides Foundation, which were created by George Soros. 
our our previous representative to the United States Congress um, was well acquainted um, with what was called the Democracy Alliance. The Democracy Alliance is a far left funding clearinghouse that was funded almost initially, almost entirely by the Tides Foundation. There are other groups in the state of Wyoming who have accepted funds from the Tides Foundation. Uh, the Powder River Basin Resource Council is one of them. Okay, those are the those are the crazy sage grouse freaks um, that think that the sage grouse is going to be impacted by oil and gas. My point here is that George Soros is actively involved in Wyoming politics and in a lot of causes throughout the state. Now, Wyoming being as conservative as it is, he's not exactly out front like he is in other states, like New York was supporting the uh, the that Alvin Bragg character, but he is very active in 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 the state of Wyoming. So as I am a fan of not recreating the wheel, about 10 to 12 years ago, Glenn Beck, little little thing called, he called the puppet master, and it was all about George Soros. And it tells you um, exactly who George Soros is, what he's up to, and what he believes. And what he's up to is to collapse the United States of America. So instead of going through George Soros's entire history and explaining to you yet again, myself, what he's up to, I thought I'd just play the whole thing for you. Um, and it, you know, it's kind of long, but listen to it. It's pretty interesting. People generally uh, uh, play with this with a certain set of rules. I I am particularly interested in changes in the rules of the game. 80 years ago, George Soros was born. Little did the world know then, economies would collapse. Currencies would become worthless. Elections would be stolen. Regimes would fall. And one billionaire would find himself coincidentally at the center of it all. He was born in Budapest, Hungary on August 12, 1930, as George Schwartz, the son of Orthodox Jews. Today, Soros is an atheist who doesn't embrace his Jewish identity and rarely supports Jewish causes or Israel. I've not been very engaged in Israel. Why not? I think there are enough Jews who, who, who take care of Israel. In 1947, the Soros family relocated from Hungary to England, where George attended the Fabian Socialist London School of Economics. He moved to New York in 1956, became a U.S. citizen in 61, and at the age of 39, he started what would become Quantum Fund, which he would use to attack currencies all across the globe. He later would be blamed for the financial collapses in Thailand, Malaysia, Indonesia, Japan, and Russia. And who could forget that he was the man who broke the Bank of England in 1992, shorting the British sterling by betting heavily that the currency would collapse despite government assurances to the contrary. Today has been an extremely difficult and turbulent day. Massive speculative flows continue to disrupt the functioning of the exchange rate mechanism. The money that I made on this particular transaction, the estimate is about a billion dollars. Along with currencies, Soros also collapses regimes. With his Open Society Fund, which was founded in 1979, Soros has helped fund the Velvet Revolution in the Czech Republic, the Orange Revolution in the Ukraine, the Rose Revolution in Georgia, 
He also helped engineer coups in Slovakia, Croatia, and Yugoslavia. So what is his target now? Us. America. He said it himself on many occasions. He said, what I have done in other countries in terms of overturning uh, bad governments, I'm going to do in this country. Our country needs us. And we need people like George Soros, who is fearless and willing to step up when it counts. Political analysts say the shadow party he has built here greatly resembles those he created in other countries before instigating a coup. He created his own party within a party, or his shadow party, outside of the Democratic Party, the Center for American Progress. That was one of the original shadow party groups. This group, from the beginning, was charged with getting control of the conservative media. Many of the people in the Obama administration were just drawn right up from there. He spent millions in 2004 to drive President Bush out of office. He didn't succeed. But changing the attitude and policies of America, he says, remains his top priority. In one of his books, Soros writes, quote, the main obstacle to a stable and just world order is the United States, end quote. You wouldn't want a man like this anywhere near the President of the United States, would you? Soros has been granted at least four visits so far to the Obama White House. This, a man who has repeatedly called for the devaluation of the dollar. A slow uh, um, decline in the value of the dollar, a, a managed uh, decline. He's waged a war against capitalism. Capitalism is not directly opposed to open society. Nevertheless, it poses some serious threats. This is a man who wants the world to be one global society without borders or individual governments. One global society and one global gatekeeper. And his son has been at the White House over 17 times in the last two years. Now, reports reports indicate that Alex Soros is kind of like his dad on steroids, that he's far more left and donates to a lot more left-wing causes than George Soros does himself. So the question is, what was Alex Soros doing at the White House? Well, we have a puppet sitting behind the Resolute desk, so one can only assume that Alex Soros was pulling some puppet strings. After the break, we're going to talk about a little bit more about woke corporatism. In a coming program, we're, uh, I'm going to have a couple guests talk about that. I mean, it's going to be really exciting. I just can't release the name quite yet, quite yet. but uh, we'll do that after the break. Do you like hot wings? Well, if you don't, what the heck is wrong with you? Well, my friends, I happen to be obsessed with them. And the best wings you're going to find in the state of Wyoming come from the Wing It food truck. They make the most incredible wings. And it's not just hot wings. They have several other different flavors. I personally recommend the garlic parmesan wings. They're amazing. And the way that you can figure out where that truck is going to be is go to the website, cowboystatepolitics.com, and look underneath the Sponsors tab, and you can find their schedule there. That way, you can plan your entire week around where that truck is going to be. That's the Wing It Food Truck. 
Morton Buildings is one of the leading metal building companies in America. They manufacture a lot of their own materials, and they've been doing this longer than anybody else around, and they definitely do it better than anybody else around. So it doesn't really matter if you need a garage or a barn or maybe a roping arena so you can do all of that rodeo stuff when it's 23 below zero, or perhaps a giant warehouse for your business. You should give my friends Nick and Jesse a call at 307-674-2532. Just tell them what you're thinking, and they'll handle all the details. Again, their phone number is 307-674-2532, or you can check them out on their website at mortonbuildings.com. And now, the conclusion to our program. you have liked to have been in the Coors boardroom when all this Bud Light stuff started rolling out? I mean, think about it. Just imagine the conversation that was happening. I mean, they were probably laughing hysterically, but just think about it. Somebody probably said, well, maybe we should put John Wayne on a beer can or maybe Charles Bronson or uh, hmm, maybe James Bond or maybe Clint Eastwood. I mean, think about how much fun that was. You see, there's all of these corporations that, and I'm going to talk about a couple of them here in just a second, but there's all of these corporations that have sold their livelihoods and their companies to the woke agenda. They're betting on ESG financing. They're thinking that that is the way the world is going and that you and I are too dumb to think for ourselves. You know, we can't be trusted to to choose our own products. And and we're we're so much we're such bigots and racists that we have to be told who to support. Well, the truth of the matter is that Anheuser-Busch has lost fifteen point seven billion dollars and they're doubling down. This is absolutely bizarre. Two days ago. They announced that they're giving another $200,000 to this outfit called the National LGBT Chamber of Commerce. Okay, if you've lost $15.7 billion and you can't sell a a single Bud Light from here to New York, well, you could probably sell it in New York, but from from Wyoming, uh, Montana, South Dakota, all of the states where your, your market share is the highest, you can't sell a single can of Bud Light. You're going to double down on the mistake that caused your $15.7 billion loss. But they're not alone. I'm assuming that everybody has heard of Target. They've lost $13.8 billion for their dumb LGBTQ display um, that was put right out in front. And in fact, there were two stores in Wyoming, and I think they're probably the only two Targets in the state. Um, But there's one in Casper and there's one in Cheyenne. So in Casper, they moved this dumb display, uh, which, by the way, is actually owned by a Satanist. I'm not even joking about that. I wish I were. Uh, But anyway, they moved that display to the back of the store. Well, and they did. Target did that in stores across the United States, thinking that that would pacify all of us and that we would continue shopping at Target. The only thing that it did is it further inflamed everybody who was pissed off in the beginning. Because now Target's trying to hide exactly what they're doing. 
And guess who? Uh, oh, and I forgot something about Anheuser-Busch. This is fascinating. Now, again, if you haven't looked at all of those undercover investigations that I did at the University of Wyoming, you'll not quite understand exactly where I'm going here. Uh, but our university has totally gone woke, and they're sponsoring drag shows and drag trainings in the education building, which, by the way, is only about 30 feet away from an elementary school. I'm sure that venue decision wasn't made, was just a coincidence. Well, anyway, so the University of Wyoming, and I heard this yesterday, and I'll have a report on it later once I get some more details, but that the University of Wyoming has partnered with Bud Light. Well, of course they did, because the UW has gone all crazy woke on us. I mean, they are trading drag queens after all. And so they partnered with Bud Light, thinking that that's going to, you know, really endear them to Wyoming citizens. And maybe, and Bud Light's thinking, well, it's the University of Wyoming, you know, nobody parties harder than they do. Oh, and that... <laughs> There was a there was an article in Playboy in like 1972 or something, and it listed the top 10 party schools. And there was an asterisk down at the bottom of the page. And it said, if you'll notice, the University of Wyoming is not on our list because we refuse to rate the professionals with the amateurs. So, of course, Bud Light is going to try to sponsor with the U try to partner with the University of Wyoming. And the university is thinking, heck, yeah, we're getting Bud Light cheap. Why not partner with them? all the while thinking that nobody is going to buy a single beer from them. And Bud Light has also, also partnered with Harley Davidson. How do you think that that's going to turn out for Harley? Um, probably not well. And since they've decided to, they're going to start producing electric Harleys, which, by the way, I love Harley Davidsons. I used to ride one for a long time. I wanted to buy another one. Um, I've been shopping for them, but I think I'm done with Harley. I mean, I, come on. I am done with companies telling me what to think and what to believe. I don't really give a crap what the beliefs of your board of directors are. I don't care if they support Dylan Mulvaney, if they think we have to move everything to electric vehicles. I don't care. The only thing I want you to do is make awesome motorcycles, make beer, and shut up. You know, somebody once asked Michael Jordan why he didn't speak out about politics. And in the interview, he kind of grinned and he said, even Republicans have to buy shoes. And that's all he ever said about it. Now, think about that. He's a smart enough businessman to realize that if he injects his personal opinion into the marketplace, it's going to have a disastrous effect on his bottom line. That's something apparently that all of these companies fail to understand that we're sick and sick to death of being dictated to, and we're just not going to shop with you anymore if that's, if that's what you're going to do. If you're going to put a display at the front of Target that is, that is owned by a Satanist with little keychains that says Satan loves pronouns, which I'm pretty sure that he does, but we're just not going to shop with you anymore. We don't have to. And I mean, there's a long list of companies that have made this dumb misstep. Companies that all of us probably loved at one time or another. But now we're just not going to buy their products anymore simply because we don't want to be told how to live our lives. And that's something that all of these folks need to, need to figure out. And it's reached as far as Fox News. Here's an interesting article. Since Tucker Carlson's departure, Fox News saw a substantial audience drop in primetime with Carlson now out of the equation. The network dropped 
32% in average total primetime viewers and 45, 44% in the 25 to 54 demographic, as well as 16% in total day viewers and 22% in, in the total day of 25 to 54. The year-over-year -year ratings tend quite poor as well. Fox News shed 25% in total day viewers, 45% in the total day demographic, 38% in primetime, and 62% in the primetime demographic in May of 2022. With alternatives like, and this is going to come as a giant shock to everybody, that One American News, Newsmax, they are the people that are benefiting from this because people are sick and tired of being dictated with your leftist agenda. The truth is the LGBTQ community only represents a very small percentage of American citizens. And to try to convince us that they are the overwhelming majority is absolutely insane. And then if you top that all off with trying to butcher children with transgender surgeries, I mean, come on. Nobody, I shouldn't say nobody, well, nobody in their right mind is going to go along with that, and they're not going to buy your dumb products either, whether it be motorcycles or beer or clothes at Target. We have plenty of other options. Companies that maybe their board of directors doesn't believe the same things that we do, but they shut the hell up about it. You know, I'm, I'm telling you, my friends, like nothing is more infuriating than going into a liquor store and seeing rainbows on beer cans. I mean, I don't personally drink, but I find it offensive. I walked into Walmart in Sheridan, Wyoming a couple weeks ago, and there was an LGBTQ display. I mean, it, and it had like, get your graduate something great. And it was all rainbows and woke stuff. Weird. That display didn't stick around for very long. Now, I don't know if they removed it or if it got past graduation and they would, could no longer sell it. But the point is that it's not there anymore because Wyoming citizens are, by and large, mostly conservative. We're not a bunch of liberals that, that all of these companies think we are. And we're not going to buy your dumb beer cans or your coolers because the company doesn't support guns or your Harley-Davidson motorcycles because you want to produce, produce elect electric bikes and you want to sell them in a state that produces that is the number one producer of energy in the United States. What moron in a bar in a boardroom came up with that stupid idea? Yeah, let's try to sell electric cars in Wyoming. Of course, I guess we could all say that those trainloads of coal is electric car fuel. But think about this. The people that are managing these companies have their own agenda, and they think that you should believe the way that they do, that you should support the causes that they do. Now, I took a lot of flack not that long ago because I said something, and I, I think the exact quotation was, I don't have a problem with drag queens as long as you don't involve little children. I don't have a problem with the LGBTQ community. Just don't involve children. I don't, I don't care if you want to be a cross-dresser. Just don't involve children. Now, here's what I meant by that. In my mind, it's a liberty question. Everybody has the right to act the way that they want to. If you're, if you're free and over 21, you have the right to do whatever you want with your body. You have the, way, the right to conduct your life in any, any way that you see fit. But you do not have a right to tell me or any other little person that they have to act a certain way. Just leave them out of it. Now, the question that I was heckled with week was, well, David, you know, what about this drag queen stuff? As I told you at the beginning of this segment, actually at the beginning of this episode, that, that, that drag shows are inherently about children. As I said, 
do what you want, just don't involve children. So if you cannot stop yourself from doing a drag queen story hour, then I'm sorry, I don't support your cause. The point here is that leave the kids out of it, conduct your business the way that you want to, and leave my life, I mean, just leave me the heck alone and let me conduct my life the way that I want to. And all of these companies, they would do, they would do well to figure that out. That we're, I'm not going to shop at your company just because you think I should believe the same way that you do. Now, coming up in future episodes of the program, like I said, I'm, I'm working on an interview with a very big name um, in American industry, or at least they were. Um, and we're going to talk about this war woke corporatism and what it looks like from the corporate level. And I, I think it's going to be a fascinating discussion simply because, you know, in Wyoming, we, we, we do have a lot of these larger companies, Walmart and uh, Target and Harley Davidson and all of these companies. Um, but we don't really have like corporate headquarters. I guess there's a couple of them. I mean, Magpul is here, but they're nowhere near the size of like Harley Davidson or any company like that. So in a coming episode, we're going to have an interview with um, one of these magnates or former magnates of industry. And we're going to talk about this uh, woke corporatism. Um, also, like I said, uh, I've got an update on all of this LGBTQ ideology and agenda stuff that the University of Wyoming is, is pushing. I've been doing some investigations into them. Um, fascinating what you can uncover with FOIA requests. Um, it's going to... if. If the investigation I did didn't irritate the crap out of you, uh, this is going to. So remember, new episodes of the program are published every Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday morning. And don't forget about the live program that begins every Thursday at 10 a.m. But for now, from the base of the Bighorns in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming, this one and only Cowboy State Politics. <laughs>